Welcome to the Feminine Truth Podcast with Mary Miranda, a place where you can reconnect with your wild, cyclical, and fierce truth. I am Mary Miranda, a mentor, coach, healer, and intuitive. I guide women on a journey of remembrance, reconnection, and embodiment of who they are, their essence, power, and truth by reawakening the power of their feminine energy, womb, and menstrual cycles. Join me each week to indulge in raw, unedited, and unfiltered topics to help women own and step into their divine feminine truth and become unshakable, unapologetic, and bold in who they truly are. Let's jump into today's conversation. Okay, welcome to another episode of the Feminine Truth Podcast. Today, I am so excited to bring Violeta Fernandez. I have been looking forward to have this conversation, and I'm so passionate to showcase amazing women who I resonate with because we are Latinas, and it's just so, I'm so honored that you're here with me having this conversation, Violeta. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Mary. Thank you for asking me to be here. Yes, I'm so excited. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your story, who you are, what do you do? Like, tell us anything about who you are. Okay, um, Violeta. I am a, well, first I'm from San Antonio, Texas, or Texas. <laughs> San Antonio, I usually stick to that. Um, but I'm a licensed clinical social worker, and a mental health therapist, and I work in community mental health and in private practice. Um, as far as like other identities that I have, I am also a mother. Um, I also am a bisexual woman. Pronouns are she, her, Aya. And I, I love people. Like that's really, <laughs> that's really what I'm about is I love people. And the main reason why I joined social work and I just have always, uh, I love people. <laughs> so. So did something happen? Because I know a lot of like times we love people. We want to like, is it like that you wanted to help someone? Is it that you identify with the things that you help women with today? Or how exactly was that journey of getting into the work that you do now? Because you're very specific to the things that you help women with. Um, You know, it's funny. And I guess this is just like personality wise. Um, I've just always been like one to really um, want friendships that's always been big for me because I grew up in a home where my mother did not like people (laughs) and she made it known and so and it was always questioned and almost like shamed for for really um having a need for friendships and sisterhood and I didn't grow up with any sisters it was just brothers and so with that I think for me entering social work was not having answers to a lot of the things that kept coming up in my life Uh, Once I I remember I took sociology, it just was like, oh, like this makes sense now. And then that then led me to doing like working with people. Um, I remember specifically like in jail and just watching the dynamics and the vulnerability. And then later, as I got um, more into like my grad studies and working in a setting regarding like domestic violence, it was just really seeing people's vulnerability at that point, I wasn't really that interested in mental health as much. I was really like set on doing um, working community, doing com- more community work that was like on a macro level, like advocating. And then, um, but then playing that role with therapists, like I thought, oh, I can actually make an impact here on a more intimate, on a more intimate level. Um, but yeah, I think just personality and then just 
uh, trying to understand probably my family, not realizing that. I don't think I had the language for that at that time. Trying to understand now why, why things were playing out the, the way they were. And then just naturally um, being more involved in, in social work and then in mental health that then led me to the work that I do now. Yeah. And so the women or do you also help men? I'm not sure. I think it was just for me, it's like it felt like more women uh, from I, when I looked at your um, Instagram. Is it more Latinas, first generation immigrants? Like it has to be within the Latina community. That is, that's where you're drawn to. You know, it's funny. I, I just like working with people, but my audience are primarily those that identify as Latina or um, some of them, not all, not all, but I do notice that a large, my, a large part of my audience are Latinas, typically between like ages 20 and 40. I'm going to say around that age or even maybe some 50. Um, but that is not, that's not what I was aiming for, but I think that's who relates to my story the most. Um, but yeah, it, it's interesting. It's not, it wasn't specific for me, but that's where it's at today. And I embrace it. I completely okay. embrace it. Cause I, I can relate to the stories that I receive in my, my DMs. Yeah, no, I can relate to what you share. That's why I, I think I was watching a Instagram live where you were a guest and I was like, who is this woman? I'm like, Oh my gosh, she's talking about things that I've been through. I, I was like raising <laughs> my hands, like me too, me too, me too. And everything. I was like, Oh my God, like there's a word, there's words for this, like a terminology associated with what I'm dealing. So like part of being Latina for me, it's been, it's been really hard setting boundaries. The boundaries has been really hard because it was never taught to me. It was never introduced. There were no boundaries. It's like you never separated from your mom. <laughs> like You were always an extension of your mom and your dad yeah. and the obedience and like just like all these rules. And I was raised Catholic. So how what is the process that you can that we can have a conversation around that you help women with with setting boundaries especially with those family members that are toxic or harmful i don't really like using the word toxic but that are harmful to our mental health to our soul to our even our health like our just like our energy like what is like let's just have a conversation around that because that's something that I have been diving to talk to someone about just like the setting boundaries and how hard it is for us and just like how do we even go about that you know with I notice I'm working specifically I think even with women I mean I do have some men and non-binary but I would say with women it's a lot of the expectations that they're trying to meet just becomes over overwhelming. And so we do look first at like, what are the expectations of this relationship? And so then we look at, well, what, 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 what do they want? What, how does it feel? Now I do a lot of work in trauma. So we look a lot of the work regarding their nervous system. Um, that right there is just bringing more awareness to that. And then asking questions and letting them process like the emotions, because even though we can, I can sit there and it help them increase their awareness. It still doesn't tap into the wounds, like the emotional part, but acknowledging like this has actually been hurting for a long time. Uh, a lot of times they haven't talked about this on a deep level. Sometimes they struggle with friendships. Um, so getting really intimate in that way and providing that space. But once they start looking at, well, what do you want your life to look like? Um, it, it's, it's really, 
I think for some really um, feels liberating because I don't think that was ever really an option for a lot of them. Again, the expectations of meeting family first. Um, and also, I think then we get to explore how to create their own space. It's a lot harder when they depend on their family and live with them. That is um, challenging, but it's not impossible. Um, so that right there is just letting them talk about their story and then acknowledging what they feel because a lot of times they are dismissed. They are dismissed or even blamed for perhaps the way they react. Um, so they learned how to shut down and just shrink themselves. So that's what we work on is not shrinking themselves. Mm-hmm. That is so interesting. I've always struggled setting, not only setting the boundaries, but communicating the boundaries. That for me is still a struggle and I'm very open about it. I want to be very open about it because I can set the boundaries. I can say this doesn't serve me. This like this harms me this way. I don't want to have a relationship with this person, even if it's a family member. But when we go about the communication process, like specifically for me, um, we were never taught how to communicate in my family. It was always the silent treatment. If my dad was mad, he would just like grunt or make like a like noises like that and slam the door or just like give us a silent treatment for however long it is. And it felt like always walking on eggshells. And I didn't grow up with my dad. I came here when I was 14. My dad was always in the United States. So we were always separated. We were living in Mexico. My dad was here working. He would go there seasonally, but it was not like 24-7. So when I came here, it was just like my nervous system. And I never knew this until like the last two, three years that I started realizing, oh, my nervous system is the one that's like a little dysregulated. And it was just like that fear. I lived in fear for so long. And it's not like my dad was beating me up, but I had so much fear of doing something wrong that I would feel like walking on eggshells. If I turn, if I burnt the toes, he would get mad. If I made a lot of noise too early, he would be upset. And I just learned to be invisible, be small, shrink down, not be seen. Huge, huge. So now that I want to set the boundaries is like, oh my God, like I learned to like be out of the way. So my dad doesn't get mad because I didn't want to get him mad because if he, when I got my dad mad, oh my God, this is getting to me. He would take the love away. He would yeah. take his affection away. Yeah. So I kind of just learned not to say anything. And when I was, where I was getting at with the communication is that my parents would always write down behind an envelope, just like any male envelope, everything they wanted to say to us. If they were mad, it was like, there's a long ass, like two envelopes posted yeah anything it was not even like a clean sheet it was just like behind whatever they could find that was the way to communicate with us Mm -hmm. so right now that I want to set communicate the boundaries to them it's that fear my body and even though I know consciously what's going on I know the fear I know my nervous system I'm just afraid it's my inner child back then in the day but it's like how can you how do you help women or the people that come to you navigate that fear that we feel in our nervous system, in our bodies, where we're just like paralyzed sometimes when we want to communicate our boundaries? Well, there's like two layers to it because one is learning how to regulate your nervous system. So we do the work in that, like process emotions and traumas and regulate, learn how to self-soothe, 
because ultimately a lot of times in families where we're not allowed to express ourselves, we're also counting on them for validation because they're the ones who will give us permission and what we're going to feel. So we want to undo that by learning how to self-soothe. Um, and then the other part is the remothering of self or the reparenting of self. Um, and I guess the, like for sure, another layer is like the increased awareness, like identifying, like actually this wasn't okay. Um, and so a lot of the fear and boundaries is going to be either the with the withholding of love and affection and support, but also like in my home, it was violence. So you're going to be shut down with, um, with a, with a slap or with the bell. I mean, that will definitely like perpetuate even more, but either one, they're both super harmful to people. Um, so you do learn how to stay out of the way and just do yeah. as you're told. So yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. So with boundaries and setting them, I think, again, processing the emotions first, regulating yourself, and then you're going to start off small. So that may mean, um, we call it like soft boundaries. Because they don't, and mind you, you may have been doing this like for a while already. I think as a child, you may have realized what you could and couldn't share. Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, for you, probably setting a sort of boundary that I'm not going to share that, you know, that I, I like this, this kid in my class because I was like, my mom thought I was like, I was in fourth grade, you know, she thought yeah. I was like, <laughs> like, I was like about to have sex with this guy. And I'm like, oh boy. <laughs> so you learn what you can and can't share, but now you become more intentional. Um, and, I, you know, I've worked also with women that then don't fulfill a certain obligation. So it may be not paying a bill in the family or not helping out with a family event. So instead of like cooking for the event, I'm actually going to enjoy the event by just being there. So they're just like these small, uh, subtle ways that you can go about it. And then in some cases, it is going to be just saying, no, I, I'm not doing this. Um, but I think you can do that more when you don't rely on your family. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But there's, a, again, always a lot more freedom when, when you don't rely on your family. Sure. Oh, most definitely. You have this, like you're self-reliant, you're independent. It's that. And I feel like we're Latino families. If you're, I'm, I'm from Mexico. So if you live in Mexico, most women there stayed their families until they get married and until they move with their husband to their own home. And sometimes they even live with the parents, you know, it depends here. It's a little bit more independent and it's see it's frowned upon. If you are living with your parents and if you are at a certain age, you're like, Hey, like you're like 25, you're living with your parents. Like what's wrong with you when in Mexico it's normal, you know, but it's also this, the boundaries are very blurred. Like you don't really like, there's no boundaries. <laughs> you cannot say no. Like if I say no to my mom, it's like, it's still like, I, I want to say no. And I'm always, I'm all about empowerment. And this is the reason why last year I took a step back from my business because I was living in Mexico and I due to COVID, I took my mom there because she was not doing well here in the United States. She came for vacation and she was just like panic, her nervous system, anxiety with COVID. So I was like, okay, I'm driving you to Mexico. I'm like, I'm not putting you on a plane. We're driving. I'm driving you. And I ended up being stuck there because they closed the border. And I didn't think I could come back. I was like, oh, I can't come back. But apparently I could because I'm a citizen. <laughs> so I'm there. And I had to redo a lot of the inner child healing. A lot of trauma came back. So I got re-traumatized living with my dad again and my mom. And they were not even doing anything to me. I was not in thread. I was like, fine. 
it was just like my nervous system. I'm like, I thought I had done so much work around my childhood, my inner child, reparenting. But until you're back in that environment, you don't really know if it has worked or not. Because I, what I did is that I I tried to stay awake as much as I could. And it's not like they were bad parents or anything like that. It was just like a lot of, uh, they were always judging me, criticizing me, like they've never been proud of me. They've never been, because I'm like the rebel of the family. I'm doing everything against the rules. My belief systems are not okay with them. They think I'm a feminist. They think like all these things about me. So go living with my parents again, it was so hard. And every time I would say no, they would just lash out. They would be mad. They would give me the silent treatment. And it's like, wow, how can we as women empower ourselves and say no and be okay with it without feeling all the guilt, the shame, the regret, the feeling like I'm a bad daughter. That's what it would always come up. I'm a horrible person. And for the longest time, I believed I was a horrible person because I was so different. And it's like, no, I think it's just like everything that I knew it wasn't okay. You know? Yeah, because you're not, essentially, you're not being, you're not allowed to exist. You're just not allowed to just exist. And when it doesn't feel safe to exist, um, you, again, want to stay out of the way. And it's sad. Like, really, with these silent treatments, you know, I... I despise silent treatments and those for me are just another form of violence. While there was like the physical violence, there is that emotional violence of like withholding someone the opportunity to express themselves. Um, so I, I, I get what you're saying. And I think when you're staying out of the way, you're really attentive to like the tone of their voice or how they're carrying their own bodies. You pick up how safe is it to go out, to leave this room. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, of course you're going to like, still feel on edge when you have to be in that setting again it takes you back to that I think yeah and you I became so hyper vigilant like the smallest subtle change in my dad's like even his breathing I'm like I did something wrong I did something wrong like there was this instance and I'm 37 okay so there's this instance in Mexico I was 36 back then like last year I'm sitting in the in the kitchen with my dad and then I did something in the microwave, put something in the microwave. And I usually, sometimes I don't finish whatever minutes I put. I just get it out and I just close <laughs> it. I don't care. He yeah. gets so mad. And I'm sitting there with my dad and I start having anxiety because I looked at the microwave and I see that there's like five seconds left and I didn't click erase or off or whatever, clear. And I'm just sitting there. I was like, oh my God, he's going to get up. He, he was so happy talking to me. I'm like, he's going to get up. He's going to see that he's going to be so upset. And I started crying there with my dad. And he's like, what's wrong? I was like, oh, nothing, nothing. Everything is fine. Like, I just couldn't even say anything because I was so triggered in that moment. So then he did see that and he just went and he turned it off and he just made like a little noise. And then I just went into the other house and I just started doing EFT. I started doing tapping. I started seeing whatever I was feeling. I started crying and I just let it through and I was like, okay. Now we know where we have to work on. We're still triggered by dad, even though dad was not even doing anything to me. <laughs> but it was just that that threat that he was going to take his love away. And he had just given me flowers. So it was like, oh, my God, I screwed up again. And it's just that. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like how much more healing can a person <laughs> keep doing until, I, yeah. until they feel like they don't, not that they, we don't care, but until we feel safe 
not not even caring what their um, reaction is going to be until we're like, okay, well, if they get mad, that's their thing. But I'm like, oh, my God, do I still see myself as like glued to them? This enmeshment, you know? Yeah, Um, I think because we are a lot of times like supposed to be a reflection of our parents image. Mm -hmm. And then on top of the fact that as humans, we internalize our parents reactions and the way they cope. And so that's how that becomes part of our identity. So if you had an enmeshment on top of that, <laughs> it's, um, it's like so deep seated. And so uh, to, to undo that, it takes a lot of work. And I don't know, like for me, I, you know, I to this day startle easily. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that it's ever going to go away. Um, I just have accepted like there's small things like that the things I guess it's about like prioritizing what do I what do I want to work on you know today or or this week um as far as like these triggers or what we feel activated but something like that that would seem to anybody else on the outside like what's the big deal they're not going to understand what his reactions meant to you when you were five and who knows what you can't remember like as a four-year-old like the discomfort you felt if he was uncomfortable you know Yeah, it happened more when I was 14, when we came here and we were finally living with each other 24-7 in a tiny apartment, (laughs) Um, all my siblings and I, and and this is the thing that I have, uh, you know, with my own clients, I'm like, it's okay to feel anger toward your parents, it's okay to see some of their behaviors as not okay, it's okay to be upset, it's okay to have all the emotions, like, don't disregard that, don't bypass that. But it's also okay to know, like, they did the best they could. But, you know, because a lot of times it's like, oh, but my parents were good. I know they were good parents. They just didn't mean that. But it's like, oh, and I just did it. I did it, like, right now when I was talking to you. But it's like, hey, no, but it's okay. Like, I'm not going to, but I know they are. But let's just acknowledge that this is how I feel. This was my experience. This is how I received, interpreted, perceived everything as a thread. So of course, things are like, you know, even with my some of my siblings, like things are not okay. It's not like and it's like, put everything under the rug. Don't talk about it. Don't don't show all their family members that we're not a perfect family. I'm like, but it's okay. We're not because we're not. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Okay. Yeah, it's being okay with that. And yeah. same thing here. Like I tell my clients all the time is that we're not trying to shame or blame your parents oh. at I genuinely think, you know, they, they did what they thought was best. And also, you know, for them pushing you away, help them to feel safer, to feel safer themselves. Um, they didn't have the language or the tools to, to recognize and to cope in a healthier way. Um, but at the same time, I, I'm going to recognize, I'm going to acknowledge that you did this like, and I'm going to undo it now. <laughs> Yeah. And my mom would always be like, when I try to communicate, so I've been working on my communication with them. So we don't end up, she doesn't end up on the defensive and I don't end up trigger and my inner child comes up and it's like, "Eh." so it's just been a lot of um, just letting her know, Hey, this is my experience. This is what I went through. My sister had a different experience, even though we were in the same household. So whatever she did, she's the eldest. I always wanted to be like her. She was preferred over me, of course. 
she was like I she was like my role model I wanted to be like my sister and I felt like my sister for them like is the pride and joy and everything she's done everything right followed the rules she's married she has a beautiful house a family here I am divorcing <laughs> I am a rebel I am the black sheep of the family I am the opposite of my beautiful sister and for the longest time I had this competition with her and I would always like whenever she would do something wrong I'm like yes my parents are gonna like me more even though that's not really true you know <laughs> this is just my inner child competing against her and it's like also with her I even had my with I distanced myself from my 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 siblings because I realized that we were connecting through me complaining my drama, my negativity before I started doing a lot of the healing work. And I realized that I was like, oh my God, this is how we connect. This is our relationship is so enmeshed. We want to know about each other's business and drama and this and that. And I would be exhausted after I did healing work and became aware whenever I would have those conversations again. It's like, I didn't want her to know all the knowledge I had because she's a, a professional counselor. And I didn't want her to know that I knew about inner child healing, subconscious reprogramming, the polyvagal theory. Like, I didn't want her to know that because I still wanted her to be superior to me. Yeah. And it's just this. I was like, oh, my God, like, I have, like, I have to redo my relationship with my sister. And right now it's, like, non-existent in a way that is not the same anymore. I text her. She'll text me back three days later. <laughs> and now I'm okay with that. I used yeah. to be like, oh my gosh, she doesn't love me. She's taking away the love, just like my dad. And now it's like, okay, it's like, it's okay to distance myself from my family, even though they're not harming me. Like I still have a lot of healing to do. So I can be at that place that I'm like not triggered, that my nervous system is calm. It's in a parasympathetic state. And it's just that, it's just navigating to, through that. I don't know if you had that going on in your family with you or with clients, but now it's like, how can we be okay with being distanced from our family? Well, I can definitely relate to being like distant with the siblings. You know, for me at this time, I'm now estranged from my the brothers that I have. And I think what happens a lot of times or what I know happens a lot of times is that parents don't know or don't foster um, healthy communication between the children. And I think because a lot of our parents are uncomfortable with closeness, yes. I think sometimes they will shame us for being close to our siblings. And so there's also a competition for, um, for approval. Mm -hmm. So for you, it sounded like there was an opportunity. It, it, like I, I hear what you said, like about like, Oh, well they're upset with her. So now I can like, get in but I think that I'm was an fine. opportunity <laughs> yeah. yeah but it, I think it wasn't necessarily about her but it was you having an opportunity to to connect with your parents um and to feel like approved approval receive approval um but at the expense of like the relationship of your siblings but that wasn't your all's fault that is the parents who are responsible for fostering closeness amongst their children but you will see, and I saw with my mom and her sisters, like this competition and, and then almost like inserting themselves at times between conflict between their sibling and the parent. It's like, it's, it's not about you, but again, they want that approval from the parent. 
Mm-hmm. Yes, real, literally, like both of my maternal and paternal side of the family, they siblings don't get along with each other. They don't. Like we are loners. Like my family, we never had those Christmas parties with other family members. No, maybe in Mexico once when my grandma, my paternal grandma was alive. But it was just that. And then we would not speak to each other the rest of the year. <laughs> and it's because she would go visit Mexico. But it was like, it was just like, I, I grew up with this cattiness, this envy, this jealousy, not talking to each other, talking behind their backs, asking uh, my parents for money, not giving the money back, getting it. It was just like chaos, conflict. I grew up learning that that was our relationship with siblings, chaos, yeah. conflict. And my mom would always tell us there are no real friends in this world. There are no real friends. Don't trust anyone. There are no real friends. So I grew up with that belief system. There are no real friends. And I think that's behind me having a hard time building a relationship with women too, you know, because of everything that I have seen. And I love being alone too, but it's like, I'm craving that sisterhood. I'm craving that. And my body's like, no, this is the way it's always supposed to be. But obviously through your conditioning and programming, you were taught that it was not okay. It was not healthy having friends. Like it was not because friends use you, they backstab you, they betray you. And it was just like toxicity all around friendships and family. Like my, like I said, both families, siblings don't talk to each other. It's just like, oh my gosh, like what is going on? Like I'm just repeating the same pattern with my own siblings. Like I don't speak to one of them. I just don't want to have a relationship with him and it took a lot to work through that because there was a time that I couldn't even look at his baby pictures because I would start crying because I had so much guilt that we all left him he's eight years younger than me we all left my brother my sister went to the marines I went to college we left him and he went the wrong path and he blamed all of us for that and I for the longest time I had all this guilt and shame and I couldn't sleep for years until last year that I did the work and I realized how the relationship with him, it was so damaging to me that I decided to distance myself. And then it got to the point that I'm like, just because you are blood doesn't mean I have to have a relationship with you. And that took a lot for me to get to that point because we are taught as Latinos. I don't know if you were taught the same, that family is blood and we have to stick together no matter what. Yeah, no, I, I can definitely relate to that. So with um, the family is blood, like in my family, the phrase was you're either with us or you're against us. Mm-hmm. And it, it was just like that then would show up like in my friendships. And I've always valued loyalty. But I think at, in the past, I've had like unrealistic expectation. If let's say my friend is going to talk to somebody, I don't like <laughs> <laughs> and so that that was like a phrase that I was conditioned with and then as far as you know I can see why like if your mother does not value friendships or is not doesn't trust people to have friendships it's it's understandable why that would show up then amongst her children because again we internalize the messages our parents tell us and who is our first friends our first friendships is going to be our siblings yeah. our cousins and so we, again, the, the parents are not fostering healthy relationships in the family or even demonstrating that for us. 
it is going to be so challenging having them as, as we grow up, you know? So yeah, no, definitely. And for me, I told my sis, cause my sister said to me, I'm not coming to visit until you find a solution to all of us getting along. And I'm like, you are forcing things upon me that I am not okay with. Like I, I do not need to look for a solution. I already told you my stance. I am a little tired that you want to force this relationship upon me when I have told you that I don't want to have this relationship because it's a one-sided relationship, Yeah, you know? And he, he kept doing things that I'm like, no, I am not okay with this anymore. I am tired of bypassing it. I am tired of wanting to work things out and things not working out. So I ended up just like distancing myself and she got really mad and I had to be okay with that feeling her uh how she received my boundaries that's always hard for me because the other part of the communication is that I would communicate my boundaries in a very non-loving way like very just like this is how it's gonna be like very empowered toxic wounded way not loving at all because I didn't know how to communicate and I would block the person because I'm like I'm terrified of what they're gonna say to me and I would block the person and literally just say the silent treatment, same thing my dad did. Yeah. I did it in a more advanced way through the cell phone. <laughs> and I would just unblock like whenever weeks pass by, I'm like, oh, hi. <laughs> and it's like, wow. And no, this time it's like, no, I'm going to sit through here. I'm going to take whatever she has to say. And I have to be okay with that. I'm like, my system, my nervous system had to re- regulate through this. Like, it's going to be okay. I'm not going to die. Like, I can I can walk. I can sit and walk and be with fear, with pain, with any emotion, with rejection, abandonment, whatever. I'm going to be okay. And that's been really hard to get to that point that I'm like, my nervous system, when I see them typing, I'm like, oh, my God, what are they going to say? Am I going to be okay? Like, am I going to survive when I see the three dots in an iPhone? Yeah. <laughs> so funny. Yeah. And. I think knowing your limits, I think knowing limits, um, being okay with the gray area, because again, I know like in my family, it was very black and white. Um, There wasn't room from this gray area. And so being able to sit with the uncomfortable feelings, knowing that they're going to pass, but it doesn't mean you have to like be super close. You're allowing people also to communicate what they feel. It'll also like vice versa, you're going to share what you're going to share. But like you say, like in a loving way, or that you do the best that you can. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think just recognizing and I think for some of my clients that like you will see panic set in when, they, when we talk about boundaries. <laughs> there will be like panic that they some of them will shut that down right away. Um, but in time, as we start, like, just getting, you know, there's, like, more trust built between me and who I'm working with, and then just understanding more of what they've gone through. It is really hard to sometimes distinguish their own narrative from that of their families. And the fear of being, like, um, ostracized by them is what really, uh, one of the reasons why they shut down that topic of boundaries right away. Yeah. Yeah, and then for me, it's like my mom, and she's always like, Oh, you shouldn't be hurt by that. I'm like, but I am hurt by it by your comments, you know, and it's just like, and I can see her wounded inner child, I can see my dad's wounded inner child, I know what they went through. I know their childhood. I know my mom left school to help my grandma raise her 12 11 siblings, like she left school elementary, 
to be a housewife in a way to help out, you know? So I, I know what they've been through, but at the same time, it's like, hey, it's okay for me to experience this and to say this was not okay, but it's also okay to acknowledge and know that that's what they know how to do, you know, how they know, yeah. don't have the tools, they don't have the skill set, they don't have the tools. It's a privilege that I have this today. And they didn't. So I have to be also honoring with that. And just know that I am still going to be considered the rebel of the family. <laughs> the yeah. I am. And, and it's been a fear because of my line of work, what I share about menstrual cycles, I smear blood on my face as a ritual. Like my mom thinks that's from the devil and it's also in conflict with the religion. So I did have to set that boundary and I, and it hurts a lot to do it because I can see, I just broke their hearts when I told them I am not Catholic. Like I was raised Catholic, but I am not Catholic. I'm not aligned with their values, morals, like belief systems. I am not. And it broke their hearts. Like I'm just considered like a bad person, you know, and I had to be okay with that because I'm like, no, I'm just paving my own path. And even yesterday, my mom got mad at me. And then she just called me a feminist. I'm like, I am the farthest from the feminist that you can think of. I am not a feminist, like not at all. But they all think that they all think that I am. And it's like, I have to be okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the knowing your limits um, is accepting, like, we're never going to be as close as maybe so and so and her or their mom. Um, it's just coming to a place of acceptance that it's not going to be what the other narratives are like that we see in our other families. It's just not going to be. And it's, huh. it's really like, there's nothing we can do about it, but then try to fulfill um, those needs and other relationships that people that are going to accept you and allow you to be, be yourself. Yeah. And I think it was that acceptance part that I I was like, okay, I'm fighting so hard for them to accept me for them, them to be okay with who I am, but I was not accepting them for who they were being and who they are, because they're so different than me. And I had to come to the point through the a lot of the inner work and a lot of the what I was doing that I'm like, I am okay with them being the way they are, they're not gonna change. Like they're not and I just have to be okay with that that they're never going to agree with me. <laughs> they're never going to accept because for them, it's like, just get a real job, go and get a real job. Like you should have a house, you should have this, you should have that. And I'm like, no, why? Why should I? Why do I need to have a house? Why do I need to have a white picket fence? Or why do I need to be married to someone that I was not happy with? Like, why? Right. No, I am doing things different. And I think that's very scary for them very scary for them because they're like this girl is just going to end up nowhere <laughs> yeah they project their fears onto us um so that is where like becoming more comfortable with what where you're at who you are that's like where a lot of the work comes in I think um and in that case like even like with me and my brother well me and my brothers um for me you know I could tolerate that you're not like going to agree with me but for me when you are uh, aggressive with me we're not we're not doing this yeah you know and or if you know if you're you know I had to accept that like one of my brothers was just not ready to go down that path of healing and I you know I, I thought okay well we have limits with our with our relationship and that's okay um I wish we were closer but it's not but then once he 
took it to another level in which it's more much more aggressive we can't do this and I know and I think what pains me the most is I know why they're behaving that way they are really mimicking what they saw from my parents um and it it that's where the grief comes in for me is knowing that I saw up close what they went through and then losing them to their own traumas and so with estrangement there is definitely going to be a lot of grief that is involved and so yeah it is doing the work finding either therapist that specializes in grief or going to a group everybody goes about our spirituality whatever people you know find to help them cope with the grief yeah and there's definitely been a lot of grieving letting go of the idea of what I wanted my parents to be for me who I wanted to be for them it's a lot of grieving letting go of that idealization that I had in my head and just be okay with this and I'm like maybe one day even with my brother my younger brother I told my sister if he ever is ready for this relationship like we'll have a relationship in the future not right now I'm like not right now like right now my boundary is that I don't desire a relationship with him And I don't feel guilty anymore. I don't have shame. I don't have regret. I dealt with a lot of the emotions of the guilt and the shame of leaving him, blaming myself. I blame myself for so many years for everything because my mom lost herself in that relationship, trying to rescue him, save him. He's he's a little one, you know, and she lost herself. She changed so much. And I think I had a lot of anger toward him that because of him, my mom became she was so involved with him that I became invisible again (laughs) and I'm like the third one so I was already kind of invisible because my sister and this is my experience right maybe I wasn't even invisible but for me and I tried to recall different ways because my mom last year I was asking her a lot of questions about me because I couldn't remember she's like you are a rebel you didn't come home. You would go out with your friends. Like, you did this. You did. I'm like, I did? I'm like, I thought I was a good girl. She's like, no, you were a rebel. I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> and I think I'm like, maybe I was trying to get her attention. Yeah. Even if it was chunk. I grew up in the chancla culture, you know, like me daban la chancla, the belt, like slapped me. And I think it was because of that. I wanted the attention. I would come home unconsciously late. So she would yell at me and maybe I felt that was her giving me attention. I don't know. This is my process right now. (laughs) But right now it's like, no, I don't want the attention anymore of you being criticizing me, judging me, like telling me that I'm doing things wrong, that things are not good in my life because I'm not Catholic and I'm not going to church. Like, I don't need that anymore. Like, I'm okay. Like, I'm okay. (laughs) Yeah. And you you hear how she was creating this narrative for you already that you were this and you were that. And then, yeah. then, of course, it was so negative. So, again, there we go. Like, that's being projected onto us that we're these bad people. And, like, no, you're not. And I feel like the, uh, my identity was built around this. My relationship, obviously, it's built around the relationship with my parents. But mine was just, like, a whole different level because I always, like, saw myself as a bad person. I thought I was so mean. I thought I was a bitch. I've had this identity that I identify with that person so well and I I thought that was me you know and it wasn't until like three years ago that I had an Akashic Records reading and I thought and I am not gonna kid you like I thought my soul was black 
I thought my heart was black. I was evil. <laughs> I really did. And she said to me, your soul is a good soul. It's a pure soul. And I started crying. I'm like, I'm not a bad person. She's like, no, you're not a bad person. I'm like, I always felt like a bad person. I always felt like the black sheep of the family. Like my parents are not proud of me. Like I've always felt like the worst person in the world. And I grew up with that. And it hurts because I'm like, oh my God, I spent so many years identifying with that version of me that was not true, that I missed out on so much. And I don't know what I, my life could have been if I had believed differently, you know? And now it's like, okay, now what can we do with this information? <laughs> yeah. And that's that, I think that's the moment you start to reclaim your narrative, you reclaim your identity, and that is going to be really shifting the language um, mm -hmm. and our perceptions from that of our parents or other family. And that's my favorite part of this work is the reclaiming. Yes. Um, and so that's where you find out like what you're capable of, mm -hmm. right? And I think that's the part about like becoming more comfortable with distancing yourself or any relationships um, is in your family is going to be finding out well, what am I capable of? Because for so long, we've been like really um, oppressed. We've been like either blamed or dismissed or just belittled for for wanting to test the waters, wanting to speak our voice, right? But um, yeah, gosh, she says something, and I was gonna, and I can't remember. <laughs> but yeah, I know for me, like I like for you, you felt like a bad person. For me, it was just always not feeling good enough mm. and overextending myself. Like oh, that that was that was for me something, and I still currently work through. Um, but it is knowing that you are good enough and in not having to again shrink yourself but for me it was just not feeling good enough and again I didn't have the language for it um, now I do but I know for a lot of us especially the women and, and even men but a lot of the women that I work with it is constantly trying to prove and prove themselves and unfortunately it leads to like these really toxic relationships that they're in and it just becomes this vicious cycle um, so reclaiming your you're prioritizing yourself, learning how to feel safe and reclaiming your narrative is to me like the biggest, um, a lot of the ways to go about being more comfortable with estrangement. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely had done that and I'm still doing it. Like I'm still not done. You know, every day I was like, Oh, I feel like a different person today. <laughs> Who am I today? What is my identity today? It's always that. And it's been a journey. It's been a really chaotic journey. But I think my I, I have the belief system that our souls chose our parents and our family system before coming here to earth. And there's a reason why they I chose that family, even though I felt I was adopted throughout my childhood, I would, I would endlessly search for my birth certificate because I thought I was adopted I'm like there's just no way my family doesn't love me and I wasn't adopted of course but you know it's just how I I've always felt like I don't belong that like I don't fit in and right now it's like maybe I'm not meant to <laughs> there's yeah. a reason why I'm yeah. here and even changing the narrative of the feminine of the females in my family the feminine lineage has been huge because you know all the women in my most of the women are in Mexico so obviously they 
just end up getting married, they end up being housewives, they end up raising the children. And that's beautiful. If that's your calling, and you're here to do that. And you're so excited. For me, it's never been a calling. Like I was like, I'm never getting married. Like I'm never if I get married, I'll get married at 35. Da, da, da. Well, I got married at 35. It didn't work. So I'm divorcing. <laughs> I'm almost I'm in the final process, final month of the divorce. So I'm so excited about that. But it's like, I want to be free. I want to feel liberated. I don't want to be, I just didn't want to be, I guess, glued to someone. That's the way I felt. And I think it's just like how I always felt with my family. And it's like, it was just like all my narrative that I had, like, I, there's no, like, you can be married and feel free and liberated, but somehow I didn't feel that. Yeah. So it's reclaiming that, reclaiming who I am, reclaiming yeah. what do I believe in? And if it's, it's okay that it's different from your parents. And it's just like this whole identity that I'm just rebuilding. I'm like, oh my God, I get to create who I become. I get to create who I am. Like, whoa, what is this all about? How come nobody ever taught me that? I thought I was supposed to be this way, get married, have children, da 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 And now it's like, I'm completely away from that. Yeah, and I love the way you put that. It's like, I don't fit in, but it's almost like then embracing that. And I do see that a lot with Daughters of Immigrants. Yeah. It's like um, recognizing like, they can actually create their own narratives. I mean, that is really big for them. Yes. Um, because in our family, it's just, you know, we're so collective, but sometimes it doesn't allow us, it, it just really suppresses what, what we really want um, on our own and we're ashamed for it. But again, becoming more comfortable with that by either uh, finding a therapist or being around, uh, if that means getting involved with, with friends or community it is finding that and allowing yourself permission because there is going to be a lot of like doubt because in that doubt just has been coming up for so long. And when you step into new territory, when you're like leaning into the unknown, it is really scary. It is. And then you second guess your choice, your decision, you have doubts. You're like, it was that the right thing. And you're just like, you feel so indecisive you know, and you feel like the guilt, the shame, the regrets, like, oh, my God, I'm a horrible person. And when you start navigating through all of that chaos within you, like you end up being like, hey, no, it's okay. Like, it's okay. Like, this is okay. I mean, you never know if it's temporary, it might be for the rest of your life. But for today, it's okay. Yeah, day by day. And it is about who who you're around. Also, yeah. it is about people like reassuring. So it is really important to work on that relationship with yourself so that you can have healthy relationships outside of your family. Some families, you know, they're just not ready um, and that's okay. Um, but however, we can't wait for them sometimes. Like you, you literally have to be like, okay, I'm either going to leave you behind or we're just not going to be that close. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. And I wanted to say something else. Um, I witnessed my parents last year with people from the town. They're very loved. They're very like, everybody loves my parents. My mom is really funny. Like my mom is hilarious. Like she's a little sarcastic, but she's funny. <laughs> and I witnessed this whole other identity they had away from us. And it made me really happy. 
Yeah. Like, I feel so happy because they retired and they live in Mexico. So my mom has like over 150 plants, like macetas with plants, like flowers of all sorts. I order her seeds from Amazon, from China, from whatever. And like, that is her pride and joy. But I, I witnessed them in a different way than I was used to. And I just felt like so like at peace. And I just felt like a little guilty because of a lot of the judgment and stuff, how I've always felt about them. And this made me more humble. This made me see them through a different lens. And I realized I was like, hey, I'm like, my parents, we have this relationship because of our unique traits. And sometimes we butt heads and everything. So of course, the relationship is not going to be the best as much as we love to for it to be. But they have this whole different other life and they're so different in it and everybody loves them. And my dad's so humanitarian. He's always, he loves making cakes. So he's always like, we're always actually, one of the things that we have is that we collect money for the ill in my town in Mexico. There's a lot of people suffering from diabetes and kidneys kidney failure so we do that together that is something that bonds my dad and I and also fitness but I saw this whole different thing like every time there was a potluck to um, collect money for someone that was sick my dad would always be giving cakes everybody loved my parents and just seeing this whole different side of them was so healing for me it was so healing yeah I was like yeah Sorry, I was just like, they needed to be away from us to find themselves. Yes, and I like that you point brought that up because I think sometimes even though there's like this shame about being distant, but sometimes that really is that distance allows family members to find themselves, to be themselves. And, you know, I look at our parents and I oftentimes wonder like what expectations they picked up and placed on themselves that they weren't even allowed to be themselves with us. And that's why they felt like the way they did and projecting their wounds onto us. I get it. Um, but yeah. So when you get to see that side of them, that it's just, you know, them enjoying the moment it's yeah, it can be really liberating and it can be like loving and it's, it's, it's great. But unfortunately if they don't do the work, sometimes they don't, yeah. They don't, they're not consistent and so it's just taking in those small moments you take in the small moments and I think distance allows that because you're not constantly like on eggshells or you're not constantly going to be ready to to argue or fight so yeah 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 no it's totally true like um I do know like I, I acknowledge that like I felt so healed when I saw this different side of them but at the same time behind closed doors it was a whole different dynamic with us their children and for me it's like oh okay well you preach so much about catholicism you're always going if somebody dies you know in mexico is in novenario it's like nine days they pray every single day my dad is always like um volunteering to be the one praying and he goes i'm like do you know the person who died he's like no <laughs> so he, they just go and they go la virgencita de guadalupe they go from little ranchito town like taking la procesiones and for me, it's like, wow, that's amazing. But I wish you devoted that much time to healing the relationship you have with us. Yeah. But 
it's I have to take things the way they are and I know my dad's not there and I'm not gonna force it I'm just accepting the way he is but at the same time I'm putting my boundaries and when I'm around them the next time that I'm around them it's gonna be so much better it just keeps getting better because I also don't see them every day um but it's just been really healing like them moving them having their marriage now themselves without us <laughs> and just like seeing them flourish in this different way and enjoying their lives and it's just been really really nice to to witness that yeah i can see how there would be like conflicting feelings it's like letting like seeing them be happy and in peace perhaps if they had done that sooner maybe they'd have been happier parents and at the same time, just feeling like a sense of like, like sadness, like, what was that energy with us? Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, you know, I don't know that they allow themselves to be the type of parents that they maybe wanted. Like, it's almost like being, being Christian has these expectations of you as a parent. And they think they have to meet that. That's the priority. That's what's yeah. like, um, conditioned in our culture is for a lot of families is that God comes first, and that you need yeah. to be this way as a parent. So I could see like the conflicting feelings of also like sadness, but yet happy for them. And, or maybe even like resentment, like what about us? <laughs> There's been a lot of resentment with the Catholic religion for me because it was forced upon me. And if I didn't want to go, I would be like punished. I would be pinched. I would be, you know, um, my parents wouldn't talk to me. So it was like very forced that I repelled it since I was little. I, I did not like it. And I went to an all Catholic school, elementary school. So mass was mandatory. <laughs> and, and I just like moving away from that and like being like, oh, I was raised Catholic, but I don't have to be Catholic anymore. I don't have to. If I don't align with the, the belief systems, I don't. And I educated myself on it. It's not something that I was just like, I'm a rebel. I'm not going to be Catholic. No. I read about it. I, I'm like, why am I even Catholic? Do I even know why? Like, what? <laughs> I was like, this is when I was trying to find out who I was, like re rediscovering myself. And I was like, I do not align with any of their belief systems. Like, no, I believe in Virgen de Guadalupe. I treat her like a goddess to me, but I don't align with Catholicism or the belief system or how it was used to make me feel bad or to punish me or says, if you don't do that, God's going to punish you. Like right. I lived in fear. I was like, I don't need to live in fear with a God. <laughs> like that doesn't know that's not okay. Yeah, no, I agree. I'm the same way. Uh, for me, I decided to leave Christianity because to me, it was this tool that was used to oppress people and yeah. I, and exploit people. And, and I just cannot get behind that. And so, um, no, I mean, yeah, I remember we were not allowed to eat before mass and my mom was to go to like the seven or 8 a.m mass and oh my <laughs> i was God, sitting there that. like hungry as hell <laughs> and she you know like why are you sitting there with a devil face so she called me devil child and i just never like enjoyed never i honestly cannot say i ever enjoyed sitting in mass and yeah so i'm just like bye <laughs> yeah i know me too i distanced myself from that and everybody's like do you believe in God? And I'm still navigating myself through that. Because yeah. I have very conflicted. Some days I'm like, yes, I believe in Diosito. And if I'm scared, I'm praying. I automatically I'm praying Padre Nuestro. Like it just comes. Like I'm an autopilot. Yeah. 
you know, yeah. and it just happens when I'm scared. I say that prayer and I'm like, but do I even believe what the prayer is saying? Like, same way, and, you know, and it's this very, conf- I have a lot of inner turmoil and conflict because I'm like, do I believe in God? Does the God that I was raised with, does he exist? Like, it's just like this existential crisis that I'm going through because it's that, is there a higher power? Why does God have to be a man? And I'm like, oh, I still have a thing about men. Oh, okay, let's go there. <laughs> you know, so it's a lot of um, still navigating myself through that, that I'm like, okay, uh, we have, we need healing to do around Catholic trauma, Christianity, um, even men. Why do I have to worship a God who's a male figure? that's come up and I just keep that to myself because if I ever say that to my mom forget about it that will be the end of our relationship but now it's like why do I have to go with the narrative that every society put upon me yeah. like now I am my have my identity that I have been working through now I get to define that for me what what is the spiritual connection to a higher power who is that higher power and a lot of times it's like I don't know I'm confused some days I like God, some days I'm like, no. So it's like, ooh, what is going on? <laughs> yeah, that's what I think with estrangement, with distance and any family relationships, because our families were like so primary to us or met our primary needs. When you can step outside of that, you learn how to not only, um, you, ask, you learn how to ask questions, yeah. you get to be this pursuer of knowledge, where a lot of times that was shut down. Like you're just not allowed to challenge or to ask questions. It's, it's like that is every time I think about it, like that was a no. Yes. So that does bring that out is um, being able to use your voice. That's, that's what I, that's what I embraced from having been estranged from my family. And it's interesting. Cause it's not even like I picked that <laughs> they decided for me that they were going to end the relationship with me. And so then it's then, okay. Uh, once I got over like the, the harder parts, it's now like, what do I do with this? Mm. And just things started to fall into place because while I'm grieving and trying to learn more about myself, you know, I joined the private practice and that's when I created the page, the IG page. And that's when I really dug into the research. And that's just how this, it just brought me to this place of, um, really embracing uh, distance and estrangement as like a healthy way of living. Yeah. yeah. And your work is so healing for many of us. We feel seen, heard, acknowledged, <laughs> believed. That's really good to know. Yeah. Yes. I felt so seen when I was like in your friend, I got goosebumps. <laughs> I, when I was in that <laughs> IG live where I, I met you, I was like, oh my God, I'm like, because that's when I was launching my podcast. I was like, I need her to be on my podcast. We need to talk about all those things because it's what I have been through. I didn't know like there were terminology to, for it. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't either. I'm telling you, until I did my research, uh, I didn't understand. I, to me, just knew uh, I've been abandoned, but I never heard about, I honest to God, had never heard abandonment as a method to for power and control. I mean, I knew it happened, but I didn't have that language. Mm-hmm. And I knew it happened, again, I always think of the queer community where it happens a lot. Yeah. You're disowned for being who Different. you are. Yeah, for being different and also not, um, not, uh, not like following their beliefs, um, the family beliefs. But that wasn't my narrative. I mean, I'm a bisexual woman, but they didn't know that. 
to them, it was the fact that I was asking questions and, and um, not making myself accessible, that that was just, that, that to them was a no-no. So yeah, it's, it's just really interesting um, like to hear that it does help people because sometimes I'm like, oh, you know, I don't know if this is too, um, too much trauma that I'm putting out. And I have two jobs, so it's so hard. Like Instagram, and you might know this, it's like a, th- it's like a job itself. <laughs> it is. So there's definitely plans to put more on like an emphasis on like, well, how do I heal? What do I do with this now? Um, right now, I was really just sharing my experience. And I didn't think, I don't know, I, I guess I did not, I didn't know anybody in my circle that had been discarded by their parents for the reasons I had. Like, I just, it was so lonely. So when I receive messages, I'm like, huh, like it's surprising. And it's like, it's okay. a thing that we keep in the DL because we don't know how to even share about it. We don't know how to communicate about it. Like they're going to think of us that we are horrible people for talking ah. about our families. I'm like, we're not talking bad about our families. We're just speaking the truth. And this is not me bashing my brothers and sisters because I do have a relationship with the eldest siblings separate, my own relationship with them, not the way they want it to be, my sister specifically. (laughs) And I have that and I have a relationship with each of my parents separate too. I learned that when we're together, it doesn't work. When we're me individually, it's like, okay, maybe that's the way it is to be. It has to be right now for me work on each relationship the way it is and it's worked perfect even though it's a little distance from my sister because she has too much going on so I I I felt abandoned because she was not paying attention to me and I was like oh what is this neediness what is this clinginess I'm like it is so enmeshed and that's when we detached and I was like wow I didn't even realize the dynamic of the relationship with my sister and how I just want her to feel like she was always superior than me. And I wanted to keep it that way. I'm like, Oh my God, I'm also feeding into that dynamic. This is why. And it's been not only with her, even when I might launch myself as an entrepreneur, it's like, I was playing a little small and I'm still catching myself doing it. I hide, I feel invisible. I don't want to be seen. I don't want to be heard because I'm not used to it. And it's like, wow, this is big, like inner work. If people don't know about launching themselves as entrepreneurs, it's a lot of inner work that you have to do. Because I'm like, you, I'm like, I'm putting myself out there. Oh my God, it's so scary. My parents are going to find out. They're going to, they're going to ostracize me. They're not going to want to be, Oh, and it's just like this fear and it's happened. It's already happened. I put myself out there. My brother texted me right away. What the hell are you thinking? Why are you doing that in your face with the blood? What the hell? My mom calling me out on it to take it down. I'm like, I'm not going to take it down. And I started posting more about it. And it's this fear that they're going to disown me. They're going to disown me. I'm like, but I've always felt disowned. So this is not different. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's been going on longer. This is just going to make it real. Yeah. I always felt disowned. I always felt rejected. Like, what is the difference now that it's just real? It's out there. It's public. My family is going to see. My relatives are going to see. They're going to think, what is this? Is this person doing witchcraft? Which is what they think. I'm like, I don't do a spells. <laughs> I don't do any of that. I am so far from that. Like that's not even my thing. So it's been a lot of that. It's like you're gonna be okay. 
Like, I'm going to be okay. I'm safe. That's like my mantra every day. I'm safe. I'm safe. I'm safe. I wanted to ask you one more question. Um, I know we're a little over time, but Marianismo. I don't know how to pronounce it in English. So what is Marianismo? Marianismo is, it's a belief in which women have to, basically they have to uphold the belief that men's needs are primary Mm. Um, and that we are pure, that we are going to, um, we're going to ultimately put others before us. It is a self-sacrifice. It is a self-sacrifice and our duty to uphold our families at the expense of our well-being. Um, If you go against that, you are now viewed as being unholy, not pure. Um, And so there's a lot of comparison to the Virgen de Guadalupe. Um, but it is a belief system and another tool used to oppress women. And in some ways it can oppress men too, because it creates this self, like this emotional reliance on women. Um, but yeah, that is ultimately what Marianismo is. When I heard you say that in the live stream, I, my life changed for that. Cause I was like, I didn't know there was a, a, a term for it. Um, that's basically the women in my family. Although, like, right now, my generation, there's some that are singers. (laughs) There's some that are, like, you know, coming out as lesbians, which is amazing for us being Catholic. There's some that are doing things not the typical way, but I'm the one that's more public. (laughs) But it's just been so healing because it's, I, I had a coach last year, and she's like, okay, here you are. You're trying to do this work around feminine energy, da da da, empowerment, but yet you have this judgment against the female in your family, especially your grandmas. And that was a huge wake up call for me. And that's when I took a step back and I was like, wow, there's healing to do because how can I be talking about feminine empowerment when I don't see the women in my family as empowered? When I see them as less than because they were self-sacrificing, because they were codependent, they were uh, um, doormats, people pleasers. They were, you know, all these things. And they lived to for the men and they cooked, they cleaned. They had to have the meals ready at 7 a.m. because my grandpa was going to come and he had to have food ready. And if the food wasn't ready, there was going to be a problem. <laughs> so it's just this, like putting everybody else before themselves. And I think I always had that resentment because I ended up the same. I ended up in relationships, uh, narcissistic, abusive relationships. And I was the one that I was like, oh, I'm never going to allow that to happen. I'm in power. I'm (laughs) a bitch, whatever. It happened because that was also within me. That version of me was also carried in my DNA, in my nervous system. And I ended up being codependent, super codependent. I didn't even know. I was so enmeshed. <laughs> I ended up in people pleaser, being a super people pleaser, always saying yes when I wanted to say no, doormat, pushover, whatever you want. And it was, um, it was my 20s. It was like, and I'm like, wow, this is who I am in relationships. Okay. And it's just been this very 
healing aspect. I even did a ritual to where I had all the female in the feminine, uh, well, the women in my family, my grandmas and everyone there. And I just asked for forgiveness and I just like a way to honor them. And I'm like, maybe for them, that was loving, giving themselves off for their children. My grandma had like 13 children, (laughs) my maternal grandma. And I kind of had to see how can I build how I used to see them in a more empowered way. And it's been very healing. But for me, when I heard you say that word, I was like, oh, my God, there's a word for that. Really? Like, and I started Googling it. And that's why I was like, okay, she needs to come on my show. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's definitely a word for it. And it's just one of the pillars of upholding uh, Christianity. It goes right in hand with um, machismo. Oh, yeah. And yeah, but I, I think that's one thing about as for those of us that identify as women or that have been raised as daughters is that with when we are trying to break away from our families, I think exploring the gray area of, because I think sometimes we're going to use, some people will use estrangement and maybe not always intentional, but to then label family um, in a negative manner. I mean, I don't, I don't blame anybody for doing that because there may be a lot of pain associated with that. But think in time, um, trying to reduce the labels and the judgment, because we're just still repeating what they've done to us, you know. Um, And so for the women, like, I do have resentment and I do have anger towards my mom at this time for allowing my dad to treat me the way he treated me and for not, you know, standing up for me. That's something I'm working through. Um, But I am, I do recognize that the probably was culture expectations of how she should be as a wife and as a mother. So I think learning how to be um, more accepting in time to not be so judgmental. I think it just frees us from the anger. I'm not saying forgive. That's a, that's different. Um, but I think just freeing ourselves from the anger and resentment um, that we, we will then project to other people. Cause that's exactly what they did to us. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. We have to be very careful with that. Not repeating the same narrative in a different way <laughs> that, look, look, that looks more healed, but yeah. it's still the same, keeping the same pattern, the same patron, you know, the same narrative. It's still that. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. This conversation has been so healing to my soul and my heart. Yeah, <laughs> I feel good. so seen. I feel so like <laughs> I fit in. <laughs> like, I'm alone. like I'm not alone. Like there's more women. And our, I'm off, you know, we're first generation Latinas here in the United States, different. The expectations that my parents had for me, there was a lot of disappointment and I had to be okay with disappointing them. And I'm like, I've always been a disappointment, disappointment to them. So what's the difference if, they, yeah. and they voiced it, they've said that, not to me, they've said that to other people and what came around to me and it hurts really bad. Yeah. And it came to the place that I'm like, no matter what I do, it's never going to be enough. It's never going to be enough. And I am right. tired. I'm tired of never being enough, feeling like I would never do and be enough for them. And it was like the that that I was like, who I am, it's never going to be enough for them. And I have to be okay with that. Maybe one day you will be. They love me their own way. But mm-hmm. right now, it's like I have healing to do for me to be 
at a different level in the, our relationship, you know, <laughs> and it has to be yeah. both ways. And unfortunately, sometimes that's not going to be like, I've helped my mom with a lot of her anxiety, things like that. She's mm-hmm. a little more open to the holistic aspect, the way I do things, also my brother, but I'm like, I'm just, you know, I'm just going to navigate this day by day, distancing myself. It's so healing for me doing my own thing, focusing on me. And it's just, I'm still navigating the divorce. I'm still navigating other things, rebuilding my life, acknowledging the fact that I didn't like being a wife. I didn't like cooking for him. I didn't, at the beginning I did, and then I didn't. And I'm like, why do I have to clean cook? Why why do I have to do the traditional gender roles? Like, no, I'm not okay with that. I don't like it. And my mom did say that to me, that I'm not domestic enough. Mm. and when you're in mexico oh a woman there is valued if she knows how to cook the mexican cuisine <laughs> yeah. I'm like, i don't know how to make a menudo i don't know how to make a pozole i don't need to because i don't eat that way i eat very healthy and that would give me heartburn <laughs> so <laughs> option. but i'm like i have the recipes but i'm like I, it's okay i have to be okay with being different than the women in my town or what Mexican women, how my parents think they should be. Mm. And it, it get to the point that I'm like, mom, your comments do, do hurt me. Like, I'm going to ask you not to be criticizing me or judging my appearance or anything. If I'm not getting ready, that he's going to leave me. He can leave me if he wants. <laughs> like, it's okay. You know? Yeah. So it's just look, right now I'm still in the process, learning how to communicate my boundaries I'm okay with people. Now my family is a whole different aspect, right? Yeah. And just like doing more of the work as it comes. Because I used to be so obsessed about healing, 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 healing all the time. Right now yeah. it's like, no, when things come up, I'll show off for the inner work. I'll show off for myself. But right now I'm doing the most loving thing for myself. And that's distance with some family members, boundaries with another, with others, <laughs> and just taking things they are and be being okay with it that's the most important thing for me good and I think that allows you to be more present and I think just working through the anger I I don't know if it's ever gonna go away um but I think well I know that I do try to aim to be more present with myself and then present with others and that's what my hope is for people that when they can learn how to manage the distance and be okay with that it allows them the freedom to to just be more present with themselves and, and feel and peace, just feel comfortable with it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, I am so glad that you came and have this conversation with me. Now I want to know, what is your truth? After everything you've been through, the way you grew up, your conditioning, programming, belief systems, everything that was in you, and redefining your identity, what is the truth of who you are today? Hmm, that's a good question. I think my truth is just just being okay who I am, really, and empowering myself. Because it does take intentional effort to again not shrink myself and to be present and show up for myself among other people. Because I think that was really challenging for me, especially with men. Um, was not shrinking myself, but being being happy about who I am and 
just embracing that and empowerment. And that's what I aim to with the people I work with is also empowering them to do the same, you know, if they're ready. Yeah, that's yeah. beautiful. Thank you. And what is one ritual or one tool or self-care tool that you do every day to stay connected with your truth and your intuition and just who you are? Actually, two things. Um, I am a breakfast person. <laughs> so for me, like breakfast, um, enjoying my breakfast in the morning, whether it's my little, you know, bacon and eggs and a hash brown or if it's a smoothie. But what for me is very fulfilling is having my morning conversations with my friends, my like closest friends. I am a talker. <laughs> I like to talk on the phone. So I have about uh, a handful of friends that will call me in the morning. And I think that's how we um, motivate each other, how we love each other. And um, yeah, like those morning conversations are my favorite part of the day, for sure. That's amazing. I never heard of that. People are like, I meditate. I take a walk. You're like, no, <laughs> I do that. In the morning, I'm like, I need, I need my coffee first in the gym. Yeah. I do, I do that, but for me, what brings me, I think, joy is, like, that sisterhood. Yeah. The sisterhood. Um, beautiful. Yeah, because I live alone, too, so for me, I want like, <laughs> okay, I've had enough alone time. I want to see what's going on with my sisters. Um, and for me, uh, yeah, it is those morning conversations. Yeah, I think there's a difference between having a sisterhood where you connect through empowerment and bettering each other, uplifting each other, being positive versus what I was doing, which is enmeshment, which is complaining, negativity, which is yes. low vibrational type of conversation. And that's for me, that was the only way that I could have relationships with these women and when I stepped away from that I'm like oh they're not looking for me wow okay <laughs> maybe I was also the one complaining so I was like okay we're gonna do this work we're gonna stop that and when we when I stopped there's no relationship and it was very sad grieving that that I'm like oh my god I didn't have a true relationship with these people and I'm like okay so I'm in the process of finding friends <laughs> finding women that are very empowering finding women that just are very supportive they're not going to shame you if you're having a bad day or if you're feeling a certain way they're not going to make you feel bad because I used to, I also had those women in my life and I'm like I ended up feeling worse and that I ended up not wanting to share yes and it's like no I just sometimes we just want to be heard seen acknowledged yeah. even if they don't agree with us just like saying it's okay if you're feeling that way that's all yeah. I do some days and not be mother like my mom yeah. heard me. Yeah, that's what I love. Um, for me, the ultimate is to be seen, to be heard, to feel safe and to celebrate, like celebrate each other. Um, that's huge for me in my, in my friendships and my connections, even with the people that I work with, the clients. Yes. So it is about uplifting uh, for me. And maybe that just fulfills those needs that, that I didn't have met when I was younger That's and the celebration going. the celebration part is huge because I don't remember celebrating with anyone <laughs> like celebrating each other like no that there was no room because we were too busy complaining there was nothing to I even seen even feeling pleasure it's like no you shouldn't feel pleasure you should feel pain suffering 
it's like the addiction to those emotions and the yeah. cocktail of hormones in my body when I would have this conversation that there my body didn't have room to feel happy, excited, joyful, yeah. uplifted. You know, it was all in this low vibe. And now that I am like navigating myself out of that, it's like, wow, okay. Like whenever I get sucked a little bit into those conversations by saying hi and then they just spilled everything, I feel so drained. Yeah. I feel so drained. And I was like, oh my God, I can't, I can't have those conversations anymore or seeing that person because I'm so drained yeah and it's like wow wow it's like a lot of things is like so I'm so aware of things now but I'm so happy that you came on my podcast so tell us where can people find you find about your work I know you're a therapist in Mm -hmm. California only right not anymore so I am now licensed in the state of Texas so I'll be putting out some oh, that's why you did post it and I said congratulations I think <laughs> it's okay I'm gonna actually put out a couple of posts about that um because I just announced it but I haven't posted it but people can find me on Instagram under therapista underscore violetita and I'll definitely um uh, you know you'll be able to to spell that out for people yeah, everything, the links, your bio, everything, all your work to get to you, to how people can find you. Everything is going to be in the show notes. Um, but so are you offering coaching? You know, I was, I've been asked that question before. And that probably is something I should look into because um, I think there are a lot of people that are attracted or more receptive to coaches. So that is something in the future I actually am going to consider looking at. Yeah. For right now, for right now, it is therapy um, for California and Texas residents. And they can always find my bio on my Instagram page as far as how to contact me through Latinx therapy. Um, but that's actually funny you asked me that. That's like probably the third time I've been asked I that. Think, I, I think you'll be great at it because when people, I really thought you were a coach. <laughs> That's what I thought when I found you. I was like, oh, she's a coach. And then I was like, oh, no, she's a therapist. But there's a lot of therapists that are seeking, mm-hmm. are viewing at this alternative because of all the rules and all the guidelines, restrictions with your yes. with your um, license. License. There we go. So because I know my sister, my sister's in Texas. She's licensed. And I said to her, hey, I'm like, you'll be a great coach. Why, why don't you coach? But she wants, she has to be ICF certified because she wants to do everything the right way, knowing my sister. <laughs> and I was like, that would be great because there's a lot of your knowledge that it's very valuable to a lot of us. That when we come to your page, we feel so seen, so acknowledged, so validated. Mm. There's yeah. a part of, of our souls that it gets healed because we're like, wow, we're not alone. There's yeah. no. I- yeah. I really appreciate you telling me that because, um, yeah, just hearing that it's re- it's really touching to be honest. So thanks for like just telling me that because I don't, I know a lot of times you just don't you really don't recognize that other people go through this, you know. Yeah, and you don't really know the impact you're making in the world when you put yourself out there. Like you, you just started the IG page and and you are making an impact. You made an impact in me. That's why I'm like she has to be my podcast. <laughs> Anytime, honestly, anytime you want uh, to have this dialogue again, I'm open to it. Yes, Thank next you. dialogue, I'll be like, so I made this improvement in my boundary communication. <laughs> now I'm yeah, just, like, I'm hoping that things will get better. And this is real life because I am not 100% healed. 
I think I have the rest of my life to heal. (laughs) And in family, um, you know, it's, it's really difficult. And it's been very difficult for me. And it's painful. I feel alone a lot of the times I cried in silence. I don't talk about this just because I also don't want to put my family on blast because that's not my intention. Like, I think we're all wounded. My family system is very wounded. It's not that we're toxic. We're just wounded by the way we're raised. And it's just acknowledging that and being okay with that and being, I think it's more like being okay with how they feel about me. Yeah, yeah. I know my truth. I know who I am. I know my. I have a huge heart. And if people saw my heart, they'll be like, "Wow, she's mushy. (laughs) She's mushy. She cry. I cry about everything. If I see someone Mm. crying, even if I don't know what they're crying about, I'm like bawling. I am Mm. super sensitive, and I think the identity that I created was resting bitch face, being a bitch, emotionless, stoic." I didn't want people to see my heart and now it's like yeah. hey, it's okay to, for people to see me <laughs> yeah. yeah you know it's funny when I listen to your podcast the very first the intro it's like I really like I like what she, I just like the tone and I like the way the yeah. message was was put out there um I did and I, that was just the intro so I've been listening and I'm like oh, I like this and there's been little things um that really stuck out to me and so, no, I enjoy your work as well. So thank you. Thank you. This is my way to have a voice, my voice mm-hmm. again, to be expressed, to be not, no longer oppressed, suppressed by no one. And this is my mm-hmm. way to not rebel. I don't need to do rebel. I've always done that, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> this is my way to be, hey, this is my truth, period. Yeah, you're, you're just living. You're just existing. That's yeah. it. Yeah, well, thank you so much. I'm so excited for this, for people to hear your wisdom, your medicine, and find you and start following you. And if they're in Texas, California, they can hire you. <laughs> and let's keep, keep um, sharing because it's very healing for a lot of us that um, we don't know that these conversations could happen. Yeah. It's very healing. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for being part of this conversation for Feminine Truth Podcast. This podcast is for you, for me, for us, for the Feminine Collective. Thank you so much for spending your time and energy with us. Share on Instagram and Facebook stories what resonated with you. And if you're listening to this and for anyone to get a hold of this podcast at Feminine Truth Podcast, and if you feel called to, Leave us a review, let us know your thoughts, let let us know how this has felt for you listening to the podcast. And the episodes are going to be every Tuesday, so I cannot wait to see you next time. Sending so much love.